We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds of many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples, whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Hello and welcome back to Research Recasted, the Knowledge Mobilization Podcast. I am Megan Missyman and I am here with Renette Schabert and we are joined by Assistant Professor of Marketing, Dr. Claire Dang. Claire is an Assistant Professor of Marketing in the Department of International Business, Marketing, Strategy and Law here at McEwen University. Claire's research focuses on consumer behavior and she is currently working on research projects related to extremely incongruent product designs, the concept of weirdness, social sharing, brand extensions, and hospitality and tourism marketing. Her teaching interests include marketing fundamentals, marketing research, and consumer behavior. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really appreciate you giving your time to us here on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to join you. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Yeah, I, I I have to be honest, I don't know a ton about marketing. I didn't realize that there was a ton of research behind marketing. And, and I mean, it's not like it came as such a surprise to me. It's just not something that I guess is commonly discussed on a day-to-day basis. So uh, I'm really looking forward to our discussion here today. Um, so I'm hoping to get a bit more insight. Uh, I know you did your PhD thesis on congruity slash incongruity. Um, can you maybe just explain what that means and and maybe tell us a little bit about about your research just to start off. Sure. So uh, in my PhD study, I'm kind of fascinated by this theory. This theory actually is a very classic psychological theory, and it has been used and applied to help us understand ourselves, understand the world around us a lot. So my interest is to use this theory to help us understand consumer behavior. So another thing related to my research interest is that I'm very interested in all kinds of consumer behavior patterns, consumer psychologies in the context of marketing. For example, a lot of time in our life, we will see a lot of interesting behaviors. We will think that everybody tried to act rationally, but that's not the truth. People do all kinds of stupid, interesting things. So that's kind of fascinating me, and I wanted to understand why. So that's why we need to use different kind of psychological theories to understand the psychology of consumers' behavior. So that's kind of related to my research domain or research focus. Oh, that's awesome. So that makes more sense. So you you looked at uh, specific psychological behaviors before conducting this research then? Uh, It's kind of a a starting point. Uh, It's not kind of... First, I found some interesting phenomenon in different domains, maybe in consumption behavior, maybe in people's travel behavior. Then I find why people are doing this. They lead me to see this theory because the theory can help me understand why people are doing this kind of things. And I gradually looking into this theory. So this basic theory believe that if something new happened to you and it's consistent with your expectation, it's easy for you to take it in. But if something is so different from anything you know before, it's kind of violate your expectation. It creates some kind of uncertainty or curiosity for you. You have to take a lot of efforts to understand it and incorporate it in your belief system or knowledge systems. So this process is very interesting. And 
when I study more about this theory, I found that a lot of research questions has not been answered yet. So that's why I try to do all kinds of research around this theory to try to fill all these kind of research gaps. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Um, what are some of the, I just want to go back a little bit. What are some of those, uh, if you're comfortable talking about it here, what are some of those trends that you were noticing? Um, and maybe some of the, those, those gaps in research, those questions that you thought needed to be answered specifically. Do you want to maybe just talk about those a little bit? Sure. So one biggest, uh, gap I found in the literature related to the theory is that everybody is kind of looking into when things are consistent with your expectation, something congruent or something moderately incongruent because for something congruent, it creates a natural familiarity feeling or good feeling for you. But if something moderately incongruent with your expectation, you can take, make some efforts to understand it. Once you understand it, you are taking it in. You still have positive responses to it. But when something extremely different from your expectation happened, what people do, these kind of areas has been lessly studied. That's kind of related to one of my research projects or one of my research areas, which is the concept of weirdness. So when people see something extremely different from their expectation, automatically they, th they think this kind of things is weird, right? Maybe, for example, I can give you one example. Have you ever heard about the product black toilet paper? Is no. That, is but, that weird? I mean, did you see me walk in here? I wear all black every day. So I, I, I'm interested. <laughs> but wearing um, the color of black is very common in terms of clothing and fashion. But in toilet paper, that's totally weird, right? Absolutely. So uh, when people see this kind of product, what's your natural reaction to this product? It's very weird. Do you want to buy it? I mean, I might because I'm curious, but maybe not my go-to, right? Because I've, I've grown up with always white toilet paper, right? So that's what I know and, and that's what's culturally relevant to me. So Yeah, I can explain more about my research on this weirdness product. Uh, Please. Yeah. yeah. So uh, why I'm kind of interested in this, like I mentioned, because of the theory of extreme incongruity. But what I noticed is that people use the word weird a lot in their daily life, describe all kinds of things, products, service, experiences. But if I ask you, do you know the definition of weirdness? Nobody knows it. And uh, I look into the literature and try to find some research related on this topic. I didn't find much. Once I noticed that why people don't want to study it is because they found that usually the weirdness is associated with something negative. People may not like it. People may not want to buy it. So they think it's not worth our effort to examine this construct, to understand this construct. But at the same time, I noticed something interesting about this phenomenon, the weird product, is people are more likely to talk about it with others, to share it with others online, especially uh, now, the social media, the internet, if something interesting catch people's attention, if they wanted to talk about it, it can spread around in a very fast speed to reach so many people across the world. It's kind of very powerful marketing tools. So why don't we understand it? So that's kind of get me interested in this concept of weirdness. So in my research, we found that why people think something is weird is usually because this product has some attributes 
that's extremely different from your expectation. For example, the black toilet paper. You never expect black existing with toilet paper, right? So uh, when you see something like this, you automatically engage in sense-making process. You want to understand why it's designed this way, right? Is there a special purpose or function about this black color? Then since it's extremely different, it's also extremely different, uh, difficult for you to fully make sense of it. If you cannot fully make sense of it, to create the perception of awareness. And in my research, I also found that people's attitude and the purchase intention towards weird product compared to the ordinary product is lower. However, their word of mouth intention, their intention to share or talk about this product, no matter in person or online, is much higher. So it's kind of confirmed my original thinking. It can be a very powerful marketing tools. Company can use the weird product to catch consumers' attention, to encourage consumers to talk about their brand, talk about the product online. So it can help the company build their brand awareness. So that's why I think it's exciting and interesting project to do. Yeah, no kidding. Actually, once you once you broke it down for me like that, I it's starting to just make so much more sense in terms of how uh, this research could be utilized in everyday life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess that brings me to my next my next question. Um, going back to sort of, uh, you know, the weirdness aspect and, and how um, it can actually be used as a tool for, yeah. for people who are looking to uh, advertise or, or in marketing in general. Uh, have you actually, have you actually gotten as far as to, as to some findings to prove this? Um, in terms of academic findings, yes, I have empirical evidence to support what I talked about before. I run experiment, I run survey studies to examine, uh, I manipulate things to identify the reason causing the perception of weirdness is an extreme incongruity. And I also find that the field sense-making is an underlying process. And I also find the data to support me that the weirdness product leads to lower purchase intention, lower attitude, but higher sharing intention in person and uh, uh, online. Yeah. That is an interesting finding, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to work with some real companies to kind of test my ideas. Maybe I can use this platform to talk to the community partners. If you are willing to work with me to test some of your weird product, please contact there me. There you go. So, yeah. you're, so you're currently looking to test this in real, real world form. If hey? there is opportunity, yes, of course. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, by all means, advertise away. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Um, I guess I want to know, uh, you sort of started to mention this a little bit, but I want to know if, if there was anything that came out of your initial research that ended up surprising you. Like maybe it wasn't a finding that you were expecting or did you sort of go into this research like, no, I know that this is true. Now I just got to prove it. Like the word of mouth intention. I just guessing yeah. at the beginning of the research project. And then when I funded the data, I'm so excited because I finally have to prove the potential of the weird product. And uh, what I also done about this research idea is that I run some longitudinal study. I look into real consumers' behavior. So originally, I'm just testing people's uh, sharing intention 
But mm-hmm. you know, intention doesn't equal to real behavior. So we did some follow-up studies with some of the research participants. Ask you, do you really talk about this idea with anybody else or maybe online? We indeed found more people exposed to the weird product are more likely to talk about this in their daily life with others. So it's more powerful evidence to support the potential of the weird product. That's awesome. I love weird products. Uh, Maybe later after you finish the podcast, you will talk to your friends or family about the black toilet paper. <laughs> exactly, though. Like that, it, it's 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 sort of like you're just proving that 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 this word of mouth is such a powerful tool in itself. And that's part of the the whole overarching research is that. Um, you know, maybe we can't sell your product, but people are going to be talking about you. Like you, like you'd mentioned, like the sales weren't necessarily higher, but people were talking about it. And in marketing, we mentioned when we do advertising, we have different goals. Sometimes we don't want to just sell your product. The first thing we need to do is to build the brand awareness to make as many people know about our brand. It's the first task. Then we can gradually introduce something useful specifically for you so you're more likely to buy them later. So I think this research is more suitable for the first stage of marketing, which is help the brand build their brand awareness among the consumers. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just basically another point of proof that um, as a new brand or a startup company, yes. the, the most important part to, or the most important thing to start off with is to just make people aware that yes. you exist yes. so that, you know, maybe later when they're at a barbecue, they're like, Hey, speaking of toilet paper, did you know, did you hear about this, this crazy company, or I guess I should say weird company yeah. <laughs> that's making black toilet paper. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Maybe people will look into the company and then they found that they have all kinds of interesting products. Maybe mm-hmm. they may buy ordinary product, but it's from this brand generating sales in the ordinary domain, but use the weird domain kind of to grab consumers' attention and let people know the existing of their brand. Right. Like almost like a pull tactic. Right. Is that is that am I using that word correctly? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes. That's awesome. And I also found that actually weird product can be a very useful conversation starters. If you are trying to talk to other people, build friendship or social with others, sometimes you will find that you guys bring this up a lot when you talk to others. There you go. We need more weird products in our lives. <laughs> it helps social. OK. Um, you were talking about, um, sort of like extensions within the brand as well. Yes. So can you, can you just tell me a little bit more about what that might entail? So is that sort of what you were talking about, you know, when let's, let's advertise a weird product in order to extend our brand beyond that reach of the weird product or, or, or am I getting that mixed up? You, you're kind of, uh, bring me new ideas. Oh. <laughs> More specifically, I'm not just, uh, for now, I haven't looking into product design in the context of the brand extension strategies. I have another project which related to brand extension. Um, we can talk about that later. Um, but I would think when you do brand extension, one thing you need to make sure is that the extension product, the new product you're introducing under your existing name should have a strong fit with your brand, original brand. If you are a very serious brand and you suddenly introduce a super weird product, 
it may be a not good thing for your brand. It's kind of damage your original brand image. But if you are a very innovative brand, you are doing all kinds of innovative things, I think it's okay to introduce this new and weird product. So you have to consider the brand, original brand image. Um, but generally speaking, this is kind of related to my other research project. Uh, and the name is Dimension of Brand Extension. So in business, we all understand that because there are a lot of empirical evidence support that when a parent brand introduces a new extension product, they have to make sure there is a strong fit because this fit will lead to favorable consumer responses. But the problem about this research is that when brand managers wanted to use these research findings, they wanted to create this fit. They don't know how to do it because it's very general. If I ask you, what, fit, what does fit mean? It's hard to explain, right? It's subjective, yeah. Yeah, so for the marketing practitioners, how can they create this fit? It's hard for them. So that's why we realize there's a research gap. We have to better understand this construct to understand the dimensions of this construct so that we can suggest the specific ways for the brand managers to build this kind of overall brand extension fit. And in our research, we find six different dimensions of brand extensions. For example, the first one is a feature-based, which means that the parent brand product and extension product should share some kind of similarities in terms of product feature. And we also found the function-based, usage occasion-based, image-based, resource-based, and market-based fit. So we further found that each aspect of this brand extension fit is cover a very unique aspect of this construct. In other words, for marketers, for brand managers, each of them refers a specific way for them to create this kind of fit. But if company only want to focus on one or two aspects of the brand extension fit, we found that it still leads to suboptimal decisions. So in other words, if you really want to make sure your extension product will be a successful one, you have to make sure you try to create fit on all six type of uh, brand extension fit. On right. all the six dimensions. So that will lead to the optimal results. So that's the other project. It's also kind of related to the congruity theory because I mentioned earlier, congruity lead to, usually lead to positive responses from people. So in this case, in the brand extension strategy domain, the fit means a lot. But maybe not in the new product designs because it's okay for people to take in new information in the new product domain. Right. So like a concrete example of that, just for our listeners to be able to digest this info, because I think this is awesome, uh, would be like if you had an existing product, say um, a new brand, but you're trying to release an existing product like, um, I don't know, like a water bottle, you know, and you're trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, people already know what a water bottle does. They already yeah. know what it's supposed to do. And when you try to make it different or too different and you're not making all those fits, it's probably not going to be as successful. Is that what you mean? Usually brand extension fit is used by larger companies, existing companies, for example, Coca-Cola, Pepsi. So those large brands, people already have a very strong understanding of what their brand image is. 
So for this kind of existing brands, when they introduce new product, they have to be careful. They wanted to go to this domain, which is kind of consistent with the original domain. If they want to really extend far away, maybe they should consider creating a new brand for this mm. new product. Okay. Otherwise, if you are going too far away, there is a very successful business case, uh, Harley Davidson, which is a very cool motorcycle brand. They introduced cologne, perfume. You would think that's weird, right? And uh, you would think about the target consumer of the Harley Davidson, all these tough guys, right? They, they would not wear any perfume, right? It's not consistent with this brand. So this, this kind of extensions will hurt or the original image of Harley Davidson. So it's a, you, it's a f failed case. So that's kind of make you thinking about when you introduce a new product under existing brand name, you have to consider all kinds of fits. Otherwise, it may damage the brand image. But if you really wanted to explore, go beyond those product categories, one suggestion I would give you is to create a new brand for that new product. Right. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. So, so with the Harley Davidson brand, you're right. Like big, you know, buff guys on motorcycles probably aren't too interested in cologne. <laughs> and if anything, they might be a little bit miffed that Harley Davidson has gone and released a cologne yeah. under the brand that they associate with as, as sort of that tough a uh, roadster sort of vibe, right? So I hadn't even considered that as as a as a um, you know a ramification of 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 trying to introduce a new product. Um, wow, yeah, that's that's a very interesting example. Um, so, so in business, you say how the congruity theory, incongruity theory, work differently in different domains, right? For existing brand, maybe congruity is a good thing. But in new product design domain, maybe moderately incongruent product or extremely incongruent product will work better. So that's the interesting things you can kind of looking into in different domain in business. Right. And that's sort of where the weirdness factor um, yeah. falls into place. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Well, guys, winter is officially here. With all the joys this wonderful season has to offer, it might be nice to escape back to summer, even for an afternoon. Luckily, Edmonton has Brew and Bloom, a cafe that offers a wonderful menu of goodies in addition to being surrounded by flowers. That's right, all year round. You can go and see it for yourself at 105th Avenue and 105th Street, just a hop, skip, and a jump behind McEwen University. All right, welcome back. We are still here with Claire, uh, who is going to tell us a bit more about the varying streams of marketing research and why she chose to focus in on consumer behavior. So, Claire, um, thank you so much again for for all the interesting tidbits that uh, that you've shared with us so far about your research. So, why is it that you chose um, uh, to focus in on consumer behavior? And maybe uh, while you're telling us that, you can you can discuss the different options um, in terms of marketing research. Um, in marketing, I think it's just areas, people with different expertise looking into the domain to understand consumer, understand different marketing strategies. So in marketing, generally speaking, we have three research streams. One is focused on the marketing strategy, which is how, can sh how should company develop different strategies to sell the product. 
Uh, the other domain is kind of the consumer research, which I'm very interested in, consumer behavior research. Sorry. And the last one is kind of focused on the modeling, looking at the big data set to uncover different behavior patterns and understand consumer behavior from the larger scheme. So why I'm interested, more interested in consumer behavior research is that I believe any successful marketing strategy or marketing activities has to base on a good understanding of consumer psychology. If you want to influence people, you have to understand how their behavior, how their mind is working, right? So that you know they are reacting to a certain element in the environment. So when we are changing those elements, it will lead to what kind of responses. So we have to understand how consumers' mind is working. Then, based on that understanding, we can develop better marketing strategies. So I always found that consumer mind is fascinating. We do all kinds of stupid, irrational things. Um, but without our knowledge about human mind or human psychology, we cannot fully understand them. So we can do nothing about it. Sometimes we will make mistakes. So I think the first task as marketing people, we have to understand how consumer mind is working and why they are behaving in certain ways, why they are behaving in different ways. Once we fully understand how their mind is working, then we can develop something useful, uh, maybe better product to help them satisfy their needs and wants, or maybe de develop more effective marketing strategies can help companies to make more sales or have huge impact on consumers or maybe on the society. So that's why I'm uh, getting into the consumer behavior domain in marketing research. Yeah, that's um, that kind of the, the other topics that you mentioned too. I think that it, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you are definitely more of a specialist than I am. Sure. But in my, in my mind, if your sole goal is to sell, 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 it's probably the most important probably the most important part that you can focus in on is the consumer and how you can make yourself more attractive to the consumer. So, Another important trend going on in marketing nowadays is not just to focus on the sales or the revenue or the profit. We're kind of focused on the well-being of consumers. So there are a lot of kind of stigma about marketing people, business people who only care about the money. That's not true anymore. In marketing, we're kind of trying to implement a different marketing concept, which is focused on the consumer's needs and wants. So we want to listen to consumers' needs and wants to help them better satisfy their needs and wants. They can find a per perfect product to help me satisfy my needs and wants. And also at the same time, we also care about consumers' well-being. So if, for example, when we are selling uh, drug or maybe cannabis, alcohol, we know this kind of product may have negative impact on consumers. So when we are doing this, we also want to educate our consumers to choose better options for their health. So we are kind of getting into a different era of marketing, which is more care about the consumer, the society's welfare. It's not just only care about the, our own profit, because we realize that if we only care about the profit, we are short-sighted. 
It cannot lead us to go long way in the business. All the successful business nowadays should look for beyond the immediate profits. They should care about the consumer because consumers biggest part of the business. Without any consumer, you cannot be successful. So we should think for our consumers to help them make better choice for themselves. And that's actually, I th- I think that has to do sort of with, like that's so culturally relevant, especially here, where wellness has suddenly become such an important, um, not that it never was important, but it's definitely become more important, I think, overall in the last maybe decade. Wellness, there's there's a huge, um, there's just an overarching sort of, uh, you know, tunnel vision now on on wellness and like we all got to make sure that we're well and and so th- because that's such a large value, um, an overarching value in society and in our culture right now, that's also like you said, like that's <laughs> that's important to note when you are trying to serve a um, you know a consumer. Uh, a, cons- a culture of consumers that 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 have those values. You have to align with that. So I also think that's great. And you're right. When I'm looking for products, I'm looking for things that are advertised, um, you know, to support me. If, if it doesn't even matter what I'm looking for, like I, I'll even go to the store and I'll find myself getting fooled by, you know, products that maybe cleaning products, for example, that that aim to, uh, re- you know, expose me to less chemicals. You know, it's it's phrased like. I'm doing you a favor by making this product, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, for marketers, we have to always beware about the trends going on in consumer behavior because we notice that more and more consumers nowadays care about the environment, care about their own health and well-beings. So as marketers, when we see these trends going on, we have to change ourselves to adapt to these trends. Otherwise, we cannot successful be successful in this business world. So if consumers think this is very important, we design product, provide service to help them satisfy these needs. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's, that's definitely something that I find, uh, that I find like especially interesting about the research is that you know, like you said, it's not it's it's not research that's really just helping helping the businesses make money. It's it's research that's sort of um, it, like it's entropic in, in ways. Like there's an entropy there, like going from you uh, to the to the marketing marketers or other marketers and businesses, and then to the consumer. Like you're really just creating that um, effortless communication <laughs> model, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of my personal goal. I hope my research can be meaningful for the ordinary people like you and me to better understand why we behave in this way. But I also hope this finding can be used and can be utilized by different businesses when they are practicing marketing strategies. They need to pay attention to this kind of small details, what consumers believe and value, and so that they can create something better for the consumer, for the society, for our planet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, uh, that actually ties me into my next question here and, uh, you might have to repeat yourself a little bit. So sorry about that. No um, but oh, I, I want to know now, now that we've had this awesome conversation, why, why marketing, um, in research, like, why is it important? Uh, and you sort of touched on this a few times throughout our conversation already, but I, I want to stress to, to people listening, um, why is, is marketing research important and what can it do for not only businesses, but, but like you said, for consumers? Yeah, I think um, we are all consumers, right? 
we have a right to understand our own behavior, right? So I hope my research can give you a different perspective to help you better understand your own behavior. Maybe sometimes you are doing something good for yourself, but sometimes you, if you are choosing something bad for yourself, is there anything we can do to help you overcome this issue? For example, if you are trying to lose weight, you cannot resist this uh, snacks or sweet stuff. Is there anything we can do to help you to introduce different mechanisms or strategies or suggestions for you to help you better lose weight or stay healthy. So I think that's another important implication of the consumer behavior research. Actually, there is a very interesting domain focus on self-control and health choices, consumer well-beings. Uh, it's not my current research interest, but I'm definitely fascinated by that area of research. I think those research are all relevant for our daily life. It can help us become a better consumer for our own health, maybe also for the, our planet to engage in more recycling behavior, to buy more environmentally friendly products. All these things matters um, as a society, as a group of consumers, I think. Yeah, well, and especially um, that goes back to the values thing, right? Is is we all want to make sure that we're, um, we're taken care of, but also that, you know, the environment is taken care of. And I think like, as a consumer, when I put, when I have my consumer hat on, not that I'm a business person, but <laughs> when I'm thinking it as a consumer, I, would look at products that are promoting, um, you know, kindness to the earth, I am more likely to spend the extra money, even if it's a dollar or two, to purchase that product because I have the utmost respect for that company and that brand now. Um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, I know there's so much that comes out of that, but, but definitely like as a consumer, I, I am more likely to purchase something that, like you said, aligns with my own values. Um, yeah. Yeah. When that, in the future, if you are finding yourself in a tough position, for example, when you are struggling with two choices and you don't know which to buy, or maybe you are facing some kind of issue like, how should I resist all the temptation of eating delicious food, but I'm also trying to stay healthy. You can look into a lot of consumer research journals, actually that giving all kinds of interesting research findings or suggestions to help you with those kind of decisions. I think that's a fascinating part of, about consumer behavior research. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Hey, so it's like if I'm, if I'm struggling, I just go there and, and they'll just, they'll knock it right out of me. Hey, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> but it takes time to read those papers, but hopefully you can find something useful for yourself. Yeah, that's a go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, well, Claire, I am wondering uh, if there is anything that we didn't ask about that you would like to mention or any parting thoughts for our listeners or... Yeah, I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk to people who are interested in consumer behavior research or maybe you're interested in my own research. No matter you are a McKeven student or maybe you are a community partner, please contact me. I'm, I'm looking forward to talk to you. Maybe we can find some common interest. Uh, we can create something interesting or exciting together. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll be in touch. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of Research Recasted. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can visit Research Recasted on your favorite podcast platform to find new episodes every two weeks. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Research Recasted, where you can leave a like, give us a follow, or send us a message if you have any follow-up questions from today's episode. 
This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications here at McEwen University. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Renette Schabert and Megan Miskiman. Music, sound design, and editing are by Renette Schabert, with research, copy editing, and scripting by Megan Miskiman. Our executive producer is Ray Barry.